Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates. We have the full line assortment here today. So we have Jake, Haley, and Lauren. What's up, everybody? Hello, friends. I'm excited it's all of us. Yeah, it's been a while since it's been the four of us together. How are we doing, guys? Doing good, using my Great Dane as a pillow right now. As you should. She's enjoying it. It's fine. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's been a, a little bit of a little bit of a break for us. I mean, like by a few days. Like we're uh, taking just a tiny bit of time in between episodes to get back on a regular recording schedule. So uh, we appreciate everyone's patience in getting this episode up, and we're excited to join you again here. So. Stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. So, Jake, I guess I'll start with you, my friend. Do you have an opening face-off for us? I'm going to get us started off. Anything uh, that's on your mind? Yeah, I'm deciding if I actually want to put the Ray-Bans back on, but I don't want to pull off like the kind of cocky, douchey type look going on. Um... But other than that, uh, I'm excited about the NHL trade deadline. Hey, Haley, I got, I got that. I got the so-and-so going on there. Glasses, I mean, or, just, glasses or no glasses? Glasses outside. I mean, Maybe not glasses inside. <laughs> I'm with Haley. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep them off. <laughs> the hat, the hat's of, already too much. The hat's none too of much. our listeners can see Jake at the moment, but he is pulling off quite a fit. This is, uh, this is quite a college fit. I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Bringing you back to the glory years? Yes. Yeah. I, I barely remember them at this point. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the trade deadline is by the time you listen to this episode, it might be the day before, it might be the day of. Uh, we're hoping that you listen as soon as it comes out. Uh, but if you're listening a, you know, midweek, judge us and on how some of the predictions we're about to make come out. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited to see teams make their, their final moves to you know, solidify their status as contenders. Lauren, how about yourself? Do you have an opening face-off for us? I do, and I just want to shout out the people who are throwing out Rask and Halak already because of two really strong starts from Swayman. Obviously, like, he's done a great job. He's obviously killed it. Still too small of a sample size to just give up on our two goalies, or two starting goalies. Um, go outside, enjoy the weather, and stop it because it's way too early to even be thinking that you guys are – so obsessed with hating Tuca that you're like, oh, okay, two good starts. All right, 75 saves in two games. Okay, bye, bye, Tuca, whatever. Halak and Swayman all the way. Like, what? Like, please, please go outside. I'm begging you. Yeah, sports fans, but definitely hockey fans, and especially Bruins fans, the obsession with the next best thing, the next great thing uh, is – it ruins, you know, your appreciation of greatness. And yeah, uh, Jeremy Swayman, as the, at the time that we're recording, has won his first two NHL starts. He looks absolutely incredible in that. Uh, I think he stopped 71 out of a total of 75 shots so far over, over these four, first two games, a couple of impressive victories. But yeah, it's just two starts. The kid has barely played in the AHL. Don't put this kind of type of pressure on him, number one. And number two, yeah, don't just go and, and toss the winningest goalie in team history out the door. So yeah, very much agreed. It's only a matter of time before Bruins fans will start comparing Swayman to Tim Thomas and uh Oh it's happened. Oh it's oh has okay. You missed it, Jake. You missed it. It has well, already I, happened. I, I went on my Tuca rant last week. I cut God just <laughs> Bruins fans have been getting really anti Tuca like recently and like more, more than they have been. And it's just pissing me. Like I, I, if I like Swayman, I want him to turn out all right. But if he doesn't, I, I just, I just want to see the look on every single Bruins fans face when they realize just how wrong they were for bashing Rask all those years. Yeah. It Dude dragged you to two Stanley cups. Exactly. He is a tremendous goalie. And again, he is still returning at some point, uh, hopefully soon recovering from his back injury. So we hope the Tuka's back and playing for Boston very, very soon. Hales, how about yourself? An opening face-off for us today? I just wanted to say to my Boston fans here that when I was flying home from seeing some family recently, 
there was a jet blue airplane at the Austin airport that had the Bruins logo on the back. And I Googled it. It's called Bear Force One. <laughs> so if you ever want to take a plane with the Bruins logo on it, you just have to book with Bear Force One. Yeah, Haley sent me the picture of that. It looked incredible. And at first I was like, is this some sort of like secret uh, flight that the Bruins front office has taken to scout, uh, you know, a stars player maybe. And then I'm like, eh. Haley was explaining again, the geography of Texas to me because I've never been to a state that large and uh, that airport was nowhere near the, the stars facility. So yeah, it just seems like it's a, a regular plane, but uh, a cool one. I would love to, to uh, be on it one of these days. So I just looked up Bear Force one and I, not what I was expecting. Um, Bear Force One is a gay dance music band from the Netherlands, known for their hit YouTube video, Bear Force One. Um, yeah, I, no, yeah, no, I, yeah. Maybe it, Google it with the words Jet Blue, Bear Force One. Yeah, this is just like how, uh, you know, if you're, this there is just like how if you're a, uh, a Celtics fan, like an NBA fan, and you're looking for updates on Evan Fournier, oh, don't God. just Google Fournier, uh, <laughs> Google his full name. Uh, you know, be careful when you Google things, people, uh, because you might get results you don't want to see. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was not expecting that one. Yeah, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for myself... I want to use my opening face-off to just give a brief shout-out to the University of Massachusetts hockey team. They will be playing for the national championship this evening. So, again, by the time you're listening to this, the game has already happened. They may have won. They may have lost. But a thrilling overtime victory the other night uh, over Minnesota Duluth. And they did so without their leading goal scorer and their starting goalie, who are both out due to COVID protocols. So just an awesome story, and I'm looking forward to seeing – the national championship game played tonight against St. Cloud State, you know, Minnesota and, and Massachusetts. It always seems like the, the college hockey comes down to, you know, those two general areas. So uh, looking forward to seeing how that game turns out. But, you know, just getting this far, uh, dealing with that kind of uh, roster turnover is uh, pretty awesome. So shout out to them. I didn't actually go to UMass. I toured UMass. Half of my high school graduating class went there. So I didn't go there for that reason. I wanted to be able to make new friends. Uh, but I feel like I know UMass very well based on all of my friends who went there. So definitely pulling for them tonight. But with that being said, I want to move on to our Coast to Coast, our league news. And there's not a ton of news that's not trade related that we could really cover. So we really just want to touch on one story. And it's developed quite a bit since the last time we all recorded. And it, it's the Vancouver Canucks situation. And, you know, it seems like COVID-19 is what we discuss every episode in some capacity. But to this extent, uh, there have been teams that ha have had COVID pauses this season. You know, they've had a couple of positive cases, contact tracing, and you know, teams decide, rightfully so, to put things on a pause and, you know, try to, you know, make sure that everything's all clear in their locker room before resuming play. In the case of the Vancouver Canucks, and if you're a hockey fan and you have not heard this story, you might be living under a rock, but we'll let you know anyway. So the Vancouver Canucks have had the absolute worst COVID-19 outbreak out of any NHL club. To this point, they have had 21 players and four members of their coaching staff all test positive. These are confirmed positives, not false positives or uh, close contacts. If you add in close contacts, they had 26 total uh, you know, people in the protocol. This has gotten so bad that it's a, even uh, some of these players have passed the virus along to family members. Uh, I mean, it, it's been very widespread. Players had, uh, had you know, reports of cramping and vomiting uh, due to some of their symptoms. I mean, this was absolutely horrendous. And obviously the NHL put their season on pause. But now we're seeing that the NHL in its infinite wisdom, wants the Vancouver Canucks to resume games as, as quickly as the you know, Friday the, the 16th. And that just seems bananas to me. I mean, uh, apparently some of these players are recovering. They, they seem like they, you know, they, they are you know, turning, making a turn for the better. But, I mean, the focus immediately changed to 
okay, we still think that we can get these guys through a 56-game season. I mean, this is exactly what's wrong with some of these sports leagues and the way that they're treating their players as commodities. I mean, your concern should be making sure that the players, all of their families and, you know, and friends, anyone who might be, uh, have been in contact with them are 110% feeling better and feeling no ill effects. Not when can we get these guys back on the ice? So Lauren, I'll start with you. How much attention have you been paying to this Canucks story and just, is this like the worst that the NHL has looked throughout all this so far? Yeah, it's hard not to pay attention to it when it's every day. The number just seemed to go up for you know the last week or so. Um, I mean, yeah, when your first thought is when they have this, supposedly they have the Brazilian variant of COVID-19 and Canada's, you know, struggling a little bit with that right now. But when you have the new variant in your country, and you're trying to figure out kind of how to get it all settled and what's the next course of action. And your employer's first thing is to say like, well, when, when can you come back to work is basically what they're saying. And obviously, you know, we still don't really know the long-term effects of COVID, how it varies from person to person. So that's a whole thing too. They, they could recover and I hope they all recover, of course, but then two games in, I mean, if these guys have been vomiting and dehydration and just fatigue for however long it's been affecting them, they can't just go back on the ice and play to the highest level that they're capable of. They have to build up that strength and that stamina again. And I think the, I mean, I think Friday, you know, if they really do want to play, I'm sure there'll be players eager to get back on the ice. I'm sure they're all eager to do that, but your health and your safety has to be priority because you know, the, these, the protocols aren't super strict like they were when we had the bubble season uh, playoffs last year. These people have families, young kids, older parents, grandparents, you know, compromised friends and family, and this could really impact them too. It's, you know, it's spreading so fast between the team, let alone their families. So it's kind of, uh, I'm not surprised because we've seen sports leagues not really care. It's all about like, I don't want to say not care, but you know, if we've seen them be like, we need to hurry up and figure out when we can get them back on the field, when we can get back, get them back on the ice. And there's no real like, well, what are you doing to help them? Even though they have to recover on their own, but you can't rush somebody back from something that we don't know, still don't know so much about. So yeah, it makes the NHL look bad because it's one team. What could happen if this happens in the playoffs? You know, they're going to be like, well, call up people from your AHL affiliate, taxi squad. This game, these games have to be played. So Tough look for the NHL right now. This is the worst breakout they've had, I think, since COVID started, I believe, um, the last year. So not looking good. I obviously hope that the Canucks can get back on the ice, but obviously they need to get healthy first. Yeah, uh, and I mean, the fact that it's essentially the the entire roster. And so, yeah, a taxi squad is really not going to be able to help you in this case uh, when, you know, it's only a handful of players. So I just, yeah, I feel like the NHL and I understand that when you're in this divisional format, uh, only playing games in the division, that when you put the Canucks season on hold, you're also impacting the rest of the division who have to play the Canucks. But it just seems like there has to be a better scenario than this that, you know, again, the NHL is already, said, hey, we're going off a points percentage if teams can't complete the full 56 games. But at this point, it just it seems callous to just say, yep, all right, I th- uh, these players are feeling better. You know, this virus takes a while to get out of your system. It just feels like they're really rushing them back onto the ice, uh, especially when, you know, we're not even 110% sure that everyone's in the all clear yet. Jake, what do you think in a, a scenario like this how do you think the league should respond? Do you think they've handled it well, or does this, does this make them look awful? Um, see, it's really kind of a tough scenario because we, we've talked about this before, and we talked about this during the, uh, before the season began. What if there was an outbreak along these lines, and you know, here we are. The, the Canucks, unfortunately, nothing has gone right for them since September 4th, 2020, when they got shut out in Game 7. Um, you know, just everything is seemingly going wrong for the Canucks. And now here we are with the COVID outbreak. It's not only affecting them, it's affecting their family. It's affecting the whole team. And at this point to want to rush them back, I get it as a league, you need to have all your teams playing.
thing. It's the way you're going to generate the most revenue is the way you're going to generate the most viewership, especially where now you're moving over to ESPN. You're going to want to get a lot of exposure for a lot of these teams that are going to be on your new platform. But there's a time and a place where you just got to stop looking at it as a business sense and look at it as a human sense and just this, this has been a whole debacle since from the get-go it, it just seemingly is continuing getting worse from a standpoint for the canucks where they just keep having these all exposures i think it was like what 26 that you said potential exposures uh, in total so it's it just not only that but those 26 then expand out even more and it's it's just a bad look to want to even try to get them back but i i, I think the league's doing exactly what they can despite how bad it, it, it looks for them. I mean, what, what else can they seemingly do other than just say, get back on the ice? They, they really can't do anything in this scenario. And it sucks for them. It sucks for both parties and it's a bad look, but I, I don't blame them for having that sentiment because there's nothing else they can say or do. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen top athletes across multiple sports, you know, notably Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics, Von Miller uh, for the Denver Broncos and the NFL you know, and, and several others, Eduardo Rodriguez, pitcher for the, the Red Sox, all to, uh, state that they've had legitimate complications. And these are people, you know, the, some of the most fit people in the entire world say that they had issues breathing. Uh, and, you know, and even after recovering, COVID takes a toll on them. I mean, we could see this entire Canucks roster just look completely sluggish. And even when they are quote unquote healthy, this could create some, some form of a competitive disadvantage, uh, you know, for, for teams that are, that are playing them and the Canucks as it stands, you know, are looking very iffy to try and secure that fourth playoff spot. I, I, I don't think they will. I know I had them in my predictions. I, a lot of people did. Like, like I said, it's just been, everything's been going wrong, but if this is the Brazilian uh, variant for COVID, then you, you, you know, it, it, it's just going to suck a little bit more because, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the uh, uh, variant from Brazil actually is seemingly attacking more younger people than it is anyone else between that 15 to 35 demographic. So, you know, these are guys well within their prime of not only playing, but in their age as well. And they fit right within that demographic. And if, if that's the case, then they're the most at risk. So, you know, ho ho hopefully there's no long lasting effects, but there probably will be. And that's the sad and truthful thing about it. Yeah, it, it, it's rough. Haley, I want to pose this question to you because as we talked about the NHL, they are going to go off of a points percentage uh, if you know, teams can't complete the full season, but more specifically the all Canada division or the score, uh, Scotia North division, the four playoff teams seem fairly secure right now. I mean, uh, out of the 17th, Ottawa is definitely out. They're not competing for a playoff spot. They're 13 points behind Montreal uh, Calgary's eight points behind Montreal, but have played three more games. And then there's Vancouver, the team in question that has played the same amount of games as Montreal, but again, it's eight points back with 19 to play tough to overcome. Would you be supportive of a, of a scenario where the NHL almost said, you know what, let's take the easiest course here and, you know, let's cut off this division from play. And we have these, uh, you know, these teams, maybe play for seeding, uh, you know, these uh, similar to what we saw in the bubble last year where it's like, okay, these are our four teams that are qualifying for the playoffs. Maybe we have them uh, compete for seeding, but the, we're going to eliminate these other teams, including the Canucks from play in the name of, of player safety. Do you think that's something that the league would consider uh, and would you be in favor of it? I don't think that the league will do it at all. Um, I think that they preach player safety, but it obviously is not the thing in their mind right now they want to make money and they want to continue their season without having to pause anything but if this is like a new variant and you don't know the complications this team is going to have you also don't know if they're in the all clear you're risking the entire Canadian division because they could just pass it to other teams and other teams have an entire breakout the same way and now look, now you have all these teams with the same situation, all these people at risk for complications. Like, it doesn't matter how healthy you are, you can still die from it. So it just seems really stupid. I mean, it just seems really stupid that they want to rush them back onto the ice. I don't know necessarily what the best course of action is, but I don't feel like they should be playing, even if that means pausing the entire Canadian division and then – putting them in, a, in their own mini tournament before playoffs and having the Canadian division itself 
play playoffs to get into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't think the league would offer it either. It was just something that popped into my mind. And I don't know what the situation is with vaccine rollout in Canada. I know that it's not quite as widespread as it is here in the States, but I'm, I'm wondering, and not to say that athletes deserve preferential treatment over, you know, everyday people like, uh, like you all and, and me, but I'm wondering if teams across different leagues can start to get all their players vaccinated. Um, and I know that's not something that they can mandate. Uh, you know, it, I know there's certain NFL quarterbacks who have kind of uh, spoken out um, in the state of Buff- uh, city of Buffalo about whether or not, you know, people should have to get uh, vaccinated. But I'm wondering if that can be made available to have, uh, you know, vaccine rollout to these players so that, number one, not just the, so their season can continue, but that these players themselves are, are safe, that they're safer from, uh, you know, for, from experiencing, you know, ha- symptoms like these and having another outbreak. I'm, I'm wondering if that can be arranged. Maybe it's, you know, too, too tight of a turnaround to have that happen now, but maybe before the playoffs, teams that have made the playoffs can, uh, can all, uh, you know, players and staff can all receive the vaccine. I mean, it, it seems like the, probably the best way right now to ensure that you can have a successful postseason while, again, also keeping players safe. I mean, at least in the U.S., I think by the end of, what, next month, it should be available to everybody. So at least the teams in the U.S. could do that. I just don't know what Canada's policies on the rollout are. Um, and, you know, you want to do it – you'd have to do it pretty far in advance from playoffs because it's, what, two, three weeks in between each shot. And yeah. I'm sorry, Johnson & Johnson shot is a really low percentage of coverage, so I don't understand why – people want to select one shot versus two if the two is going to give you like 95 99 coverage and johnson and johnson is going to give you 60 why are we picking the one shot that's a whole different conversation (laughs) (laughs) but i don't think the players is what i'm saying should do that one because it's still not going to protect you that well so then you have to book it so that you take the first shot a couple weeks later you take the second shot and you're probably going to have side effects from it for at least 24 hours up to I think three or four days sometimes to where they don't feel so great and then they'll be fine, hopefully. And then they could maybe do the playoffs in a bubble or something. Yeah, we'll have to see. Again, at the end of the day, the biggest concern should be the players and their health. And hopefully all these Vancouver Canucks players are starting to feel better and that's, you know, they can get onto the ice soon, not, just because the NHL wants them to, but because, uh, you know, they can just continue to do what they love uh, and, and, you know, play the sport that they love. So we're hoping that every single one of them starts to feel better soon. I wanted to move on. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for our, again, for our news segment that, you know, that's pretty much the only uh, non-trade related news topic that we were going to touch on. And so we want to roll into the trade deadline, you know, section here as our, our coverage, our, our chirp session where we can kind of uh, discuss things that are going on around the league. And the biggest topic other than this Canucks outbreak is the trade deadline. And the trade deadline is Monday, April 12th. So by the time you're listening to this episode, again, it may have already come and gone, but in terms of big names that have moved so far, uh, one of the bigger names did move early and that was Kyle Palmieri. Uh, The devils did trade Palmieri along with Travis Zajac to the New York Islanders. So an interdivision trade, that helps a, uh, a really strong divisional leader in, uh, uh, or maybe are the Islanders, I know they're going back and forth. Uh, with, they're in uh, second right now. They're okay. They're, uh, they're tied for first with Washington, oh, but Washington has, uh, has the tiebreaker over them for right now. So uh, a, a co-leader of uh, across the mass mutual East division uh, in the New York Islanders. So uh, acquiring number, not only a, a an excellent top six winger that the, Isles desperately needed uh, following the, the loss of their captain, but also getting a player in Travis Zajac that can provide some, some veteran leadership and some depth on that team. So that was a move that was made, you know, almost a week in advance of the deadline. But other than that, no big names have really moved yet. And I wanted to get, you know, the thoughts of my crew here. Who do you think is the next shoe to drop? Again, we, we have just over 48 hours until the trade deadline comes and goes Obviously, Taylor Hall's name is out there, a big name uh, who has underperformed, uh, but teams might still want to you know, bring him in and see if, uh, if he can flip a switch and, uh, and that talent can uh, manifest itself. Uh, you know, Matthias Ekholm, 
maybe not on the move anymore because the Preds are in a, a surge here looking for a playoff spot. I, I want to see what you guys think could happen. Um, and, you know, what do you think teams uh, that are fringe contenders right now need to do in order to become more legitimate contenders? So, Lauren, I'll start with you. Uh, what big names do you think could be on the move, uh, you know, including Taylor Hall or Ekholm or maybe a name that people aren't talking about right now? So I definitely think Taylor Hall will be on the move. I think, uh, I mean, we've seen that he's not performing well in Buffalo. Obviously, it could just be very well because he's just on a very bad team. But I certainly think they'll get him off Buffalo and send him to a contender um, like the Isles. Um, I think I think he'll stay in the division. But as for somebody else, I did I did this for for Nesson that I wouldn't mind if the Bruins took a look at David Savard from Columbus. Obviously, Columbus has to be sellers. Who knows if he's even going to be on the on the move? But you know, I think he could provide kind of just a little bit of what the Bruins need. I feel like he wouldn't be his price tag wouldn't be crazy high, and then enough that the Bruins could do it while also acquiring what they really need, which is a top uh, five on five score, secondary score literally anyone who can score who is in the top line. So I think that, like I said, Taylor Hall, David Savard, that would be those two names I think are going to be gone uh, from their teams. And again, the Bruins, I don't know. I don't think they're going to acquire anybody like a Taylor Hall, like a Kyle Palmieri kind of name. I think it'll be more like an Andre Kasha kind of move where it's like, oh yeah, I've heard of him. He should put up 20 goals a season or whatever. Um, but just someone to provide a little bit of help here because the top line is doing it all. And we, we've seen for so many years now that that can't happen. Um, and five on five scoring. That's why the Bruins lost to Tampa Bay last year. They could not score five on five for the life of them. So they need just that little bit of boost. They're, they're there. Like they're, they're not that far away, but um I think they'll make a move on deadline day. I don't think the Bruins, I think they'll be very quiet this weekend. I think it'll be, you know, 2.30, 2.45. And it's like, oh, the Bruins did this um, when all the bigger names are gone. So it'll be like, uh, what are they doing? Like, don't worry. Just what they do every year. <laughs> and they'll wait and they'll bring in somebody who's not like a, a big, big flashy name. That's not going to draw in people. But Taylor Hall definitely will be out of Buffalo. If, if he stays, somehow stays then we need to go into Buffalo and get him because he should not be there. <laughs> he absolutely should not be in Buffalo beyond Monday. We need to annex the city of Buffalo and get <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, Taylor Hall does have a no-trade clause, so if he doesn't move, it might be his own fault, but we'll have to see. Again, we might have to go and get him for another reason. If you want to stay in Buffalo through the rest of this season, we might need to do an intervention with Taylor. Uh, but – yeah, uh, Lauren, David Savard actually was a healthy scratch the other night for Columbus, so that could be a precursor to a trade. I mean, as of right now, and we've talked about this on the pod at length, uh, you know, time might be out for torts over there in Columbus. Uh, right now, the Jackets at 15, 19, and 8. They are seven points out of a playoff spot. It's just not happening for them. Uh, you know, this is a team that probably should be selling. Uh, and if Savard is being sat out of games, he's most likely going to be on the move. I know that Zach Wierenski, uh, it was just announced that he's out. He's going to miss the rest of the season for them. So that's another hit to them. So at this point, with your fortunes looking so bleak, you might as well uh, you know, get what you can for Savard, who can definitely help a team. You know, he can be a top four defenseman for any team that picks him up. And uh, he's going to be a pending free agent. So I think that he could probably be on the move. I will say this, Lauren, not to trigger you or anything. No, don't even say it. Anders Bjork has been a healthy scratch for three consecutive games for the Bruins. Now, I don't know if he's scheduled to play today. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen anything come out yet for lineups, but he's been a healthy scratch for a little bit now. Could he be on the move from Boston uh, in, as part of a trade? Yeah, that's what, you know, it sucks to say, but he is a tradable asset because – he is doing everything Bruce Cassidy has asked of him. He has shown his flashes of potential. He's so fast. He just cannot find the back of the net for the life of him. And it's not for lack of trying. He's bringing it to the net. He's making himself open. And like I said, he's doing literally everything Bruce Cassidy has asked him. And he just, you know, he's getting scratched. And it's like every time that I see that he's healthy scratch, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Don't let today be the day. I'm not ready. And but unfortunately with somebody, you know, bottom six wingers, 
they're, you know, a dime a dozen. You can swap them out. They're not on the top line. They're not on the second line really for a reason. They're there to provide a little bit of depth, to provide maybe some physicality and just make their presence known on the ice. And I feel like Andres Bjork has done that, but he's just not, he's not finishing. And that's obviously been a problem for the Bruins this season, but yeah, unfortunately he is, and he's still, he's young and he's, he's got so much potential and he just really hasn't reached it yet due to injuries being scratched and just maybe not, maybe not being able to do it because of the team he's on kind of like Taylor Hall situation. He can't really reach that potential because just not that Anders Bjork's on a bad team. It's just maybe he's not a bottom winger or forward. Maybe he's just a, not top line, but you know, second line and he just can't really find where he fits here. So as much as it hurts, I won't be surprised if he's on the move. But I may need I may need to take a couple of weeks off the pod if that if that does. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Bruins seemingly have a lot of these issues with players where they have a lot of guys that can make plays and be playmakers. They just can't finish. Well, I have one solution to that, and I might get an exaggerated gasp or I might just get a groan. But uh, how does Mike Hoffman from St. Louis sound? Because this is a guy that not a great playmaker, not a good defensive body. Really nothing much to love about him except his ability to finish. And he hasn't really fit well in the team that shall not be named with Mr. Craig Berube in his whole system over there. But, you know, he has nine goals and he has 12 assists this season, but he, he's just not been able to consistently produce. And he's been a healthy scratch for the Blues the past couple of weeks uh, throughout. So that really tells me that he's probably going to get traded. You know, he, he had a career year with the uh, Florida Panthers, and then he got seemingly no action in free agency, and he turned a PTO contract into a one-year $4 million deal with the Blues, and it's just not working out. And the Blues by no means are sellers, but I don't think Mike Hoffman will survive in that system. So why not do something that you seemingly do every year if you're the Bruins, seemingly trying to always shore up that second line? Why don't you go out and get a Mike Hoffman? You know, he's not a guy that's going to carry your line. He's not a guy that's going to open up plays for your line. But you have a David Krejci on that line that can do exactly that for him. And as long as Mike Hoffman can finish, I think he could be a good piece for the Bruins. I don't know how well he'd fit into the system here. I don't even know if he'd fit into their system at all. But he's a guy that can put the puck in the back of the net when you need him to. And he's a guy that, come playoff time, would not only be a good veteran piece, but can offer that A, veteran leadership, and B, goal scoring when it counts. Because I, as much as I love the perfection line, I am sick and tired of seeing Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand have a hat trick every other night because no other player on our team can score. So why not take a flyer on a guy who's getting paid $4 million, who's seemingly on his way out of St. Louis anyways, and just take the shot? Why not? I'm all in for Mike Hoffman today. Yeah, the Blues could be sellers uh, because they're they're rapidly, uh, despite a, a very impressive nine-one victory uh, last night, they are kind of falling out of the the playoff picture in the West. Um, so, Hoffman, I'll tell you what: whether it's Boston or any other team that trades for Hoffman, if you wind up giving up something fairly decent for him you're going to be kicking yourself because you could have had him very easily this off season. He was brought in on a PTO with um, uh, St. Louis and then ultimately signed a one year, $4 million deal. So if you have to give up a somewhat decent draft pick or a roster player in exchange for someone you could have had just for, for cash, yeah. you might be kicking yourself a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I think Hoffman's definitely a player who could be on the move. I, I have a couple predictions of players who I think could be on the move that might be under the radar as well. But before I do that, I want to go over to Haley. And Haley, I'm not going to – I know that trades and free agency and stuff like that is not your thing. You just enjoy whoever is on the ice just watching them. But as a diehard Flyers fan, I want to hear from you what you want the team to do. <clears throat> they are currently sitting uh, in fifth in the Mass Mutual East Division. They are – they have a matchup with Boston this afternoon. But um, actually, I'm, I'm, my apologies. They're currently sitting sixth. They're a point behind the Rangers now. But – they're six points out of a playoff spot, still within shouting distance, but uh, they've obviously fallen on hard times lately. What do you want Philadelphia to do in advance of the trade deadline? Do you want them to add scoring? Do you want them to deal for, for a goalie? Do you want them to, to focus on the blue line? You know, what, what should be their move? I don't even know. Like, they lost to the Sabres. They lost 6-1 to one to the Sabres. Like, what? I don't understand. Like, scrap it. We're done for the season. You're not making the playoffs. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. 
Thank you for kicking me, dog. Um, so she apparently doesn't agree with me. So, <laughs> I have really no hope in them this season. I still love them. I don't think they're making the playoffs, whether they make major moves or not. I am what was in my initial prediction at the beginning of this season for us, but I really don't think they're making the playoffs this year. So they do need to make some changes. I don't know if it's goalies. Carter Hart definitely hasn't been a standout like he was in the bubble this year. Could it just be, you know, he's so young and it's, the nerves got him, the hype of everybody thinks you're so incredible, and then it's all put on your shoulders and your defense is not helping you out and your offense isn't scoring goals. Like, it might be a whole team thing, not just a goalie thing. So I think they really need to take a step back, figure out what their issues are, and hopefully they make some moves. I mean, I feel like they should right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. So – I would like to see some news about them during this trade deadline. I would like to see them make some moves. They, they need to do something. It's not working. Well, I mean, maybe Philadelphia winds up being sellers. And again, being sellers does not necessarily mean that you're just giving players away. You could be moving players and getting young assets that can help you for next season. If you don't think that you're a playoff team, uh, sometimes selling is a great way to accelerate a, a bit of a recharge, uh, you know, a, a mini rebuild. So you know, maybe Philadelphia moves players like Gostas Bear, who they had previously put on waivers. He's back. Uh, maybe they they look into uh, you know trading players who were in their top six and get some young players uh, and and recharge their roster. It's a, a team that definitely has potential. So we'll have to see what they do. I, I know why they're struggling this year because Claude Giroux has uh, yet to accept my steel cage TLC Inferno match at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, and I mean he kind of missed out on that because it's tonight. Yeah. 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 It's it's. it's yeah, WrestleMania is two nights. You, you got till like 12 o'clock tonight to accept Claude Giroux. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, that rivalry has definitely been one-sided it, so far. Yeah, it, it has been. He's living rent-free in my head right now. But um, uh, 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 <laughs> go, go ahead, sorry. And it will be sad. Like, I, it's okay if they move some big names to rebuild and all that. Like, I'm not going to be upset with them, but I'll be just a little hurt. If like Kevin Hayes goes, I really enjoy him. I think that in the bubble, he was the best one on the team. So I, I just, you know, crossing my fingers, they make moves, but also scared to see who they do move. <laughs> if, if, on a, going back to a serious note, if there is one move that the Flyers could make that I would enjoy, I wouldn't mind seeing them. And I know we talked about this on a previous episode, Mark, but I wouldn't mind seeing the Flyers just shutting down Kata for the rest of the season. Uh, I think what happened, personally was that he kind of got into head with the hype that was going on and thought that he was some big guy you know hot hot stuff and I think it kind of got to him a little bit and he's now playing a mental game and you know sometimes players can play their way out of a slump sometimes they can't I think the best bet especially for the Flyers at this point if you're just going to be hinging on mediocrity or hinging on, on potentially getting into the playoffs don't do it just I, I would love to see them shut him down just give him the headspace that he needs to find himself for next season to come back out because Carter Hart might be the only Flyers player that I like. And to see him struggle this year, well, I don't mind it because the Flyers struggle too when he struggles, but he's probably one of my favorite goalies that just aren't a part of the Boston Bruins, probably one of my favorite goalies in the league. Um, so to see him struggle kind of sucks, but you know, I, I feel like to just shut him down would probably be the best bet moving forward coming back next year and reloading, doing whatever you can. I think they will be sellers, but Carter Hart is priority number one, especially if he's going to be in between those posts for you for the next foreseeable decade, assumingly, plus he's on a contract extension too. So, uh, or coming up for one. So to shut him down, maybe get him back for a lower price than what he would have gotten had he continued to play out of his mind. Um, I, I think it'll benefit both sides, but for right now, just shut him down, please. Yeah, we'll have to see what Philly does, uh, especially once the deadline comes and goes. If they fall a little bit further out of a playoff spot with very few games to play, maybe they take that route. As for myself, I have some names that you know aren't necessarily sexy names, uh, but uh, players that could help, uh, help teams, uh, especially contenders who are trying to solidify their status uh, in advance of this trade deadline. So I have three names that I want to, to share with you. The first of which is, I'm going back to Columbus. Lauren already mentioned David Savard. I'm going to mention their captain, Nick Foligno. Uh, Foligno is a, everyone who's a hockey fan is familiar with his uh, postseason exploits. Uh, he's uh, been a, a fantastic player over the years. 
I think that Columbus could move him. He is in the final year of his contract and he is their captain. And so I'm sure they'll probably, you know, see if, if a contract extension can be worked out last minute. We saw last year with Chris Kreider and the Rangers, he was, you know, floating around in, in trade talks and then suddenly, nope, he's actually committing for like six more years with the Rangers, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, but uh, if the Blue Jackets cannot get him to agree to an extension, I could see him being moved to a contender. He can definitely be a top six forward uh, for, uh, for a contending team or the, at the worst, maybe, uh, you know, be on your third line and provide excellent depth there. So I think that he will end up on the move by Monday. The other is Luke Glendening uh, from the Red Wings. Luke Glendening has been a, a fantastic player for the Red Wings for a while, but it's a team that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, he is fantastic at the faceoff dot. Uh, he wins uh, more than two-thirds of his faceoffs. Uh, that's, you know, that actually is tops in the league as of right now. Um, so he's fantastic. A team could absolutely use him in their bottom six uh, to shore up their depth. Uh, you know, listen, de- defensive zone faceoffs are important, especially in the playoffs. So uh, he's, he's a player who's fairly affordable in terms of his cap hit and could be uh, someone who's in a good amount of demand. So I could see Glenn Denning on the move for Monday. And then my final pick, and this one might be a little bit far-fetched because a he could require a significant return because he's still very skilled and very young and also just recently got banged up a little bit he might not be fully uh, recovered from injury and that is Ricard Raquel from the Anaheim Ducks I would love absolutely love if he's healthy to see him in Boston Uh, this is a guy who has scored 30 goals before Uh, he has fantastic potential to get even better and uh, he's affordable uh, cap-wise at only a 3.8 million cap hit so a team that (laughs) would have to give up. Uh, hello, Roxy. Uh, <laughs> just scared the hell out of me. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that Roxy wants uh, Ricard Raquel on the move. I, I think she wants him to remain with the Ducks. That, that, yeah, that was, a, that was a no from Roxy right there. <laughs> uh, well, despite Roxy's objections, I think that, uh, that, that Raquel could really help a contender. If you're the Ducks, though, again, you're going to need a lot in return from him because that's not a player you give away. He could still be a part of your future as you rebuild. But uh, I would love, and I think any contending team would love to have Ricard Raquel. So I'll put that in the unlikely category. But Glenn Denning and Felino, I definitely think move on Monday. As for, uh, so that's pretty much going to do it for our trade discussion. Um, but uh, as of right now, Again, there's a lot of names that could be on the move. So, uh, you know, we're, we'll tweet these picks out. Uh, we'll tweet out who we think could be on the move and, uh, and see who, who does, uh, does the best. Hopefully Jake DeBrusque is one of the names on the move. <laughs> I Jake. just want to say, too, that um, the lineups, Bruce Cassidy just said that there's no change to the lineup, so Anders Bjork is sitting again. So this is a sad day for me. <laughs> it's a sad day for me. That means DeBrusque's in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, Lauren, uh, you very well could have seen Anders Bjork play his last game in Boston. Of course, he'll probably go somewhere else and flourish as a, uh, as a top six yeah. forward somewhere, yeah. uh, fulfill <laughs> that potential. Um, but with that being said, I want to move on. Uh, and before we wrap up our show, again, go around the league like we do normally and talk about the players and teams who have been impressing us over this, at this point, you know, almost two weeks, week and a half plus since the last time we recorded and, uh, and uh, also, conversely, who's really letting us down? So, Jake, I want to start with you, my friend. Uh, who has really been impressing you around the league? It's the Islanders. Without a doubt, it's the Islanders. This was a team that I had making the fourth seed out of the East for the playoffs. Instead, they might as well be running with the first seed. You know, they go out and they get Kyle Palmieri and they get Travis Sajak a week be- uh, two weeks before the trade deadline. And yeah, I don't blame them for that because they have to do the whole, um, you know, I have to sit out or, like, um, for the two weeks anyways and then they come back in and you know this is a team that lost their captain this is a team that who seemingly just struggles at times offensively but they they keep finding ways to win this is a very good team a very strong-willed team and they will just not go down it's it's almost like every single game it's a war that these guys are fighting and it's awesome to see um, you know the Islanders might be my second favorite team behind the Bruins for some reason just and that's mostly because of Jordan Eberle. I don't know why. I'm just a huge Jordan Eberle fan. And where he's on the Islanders, I just drew right to him. But 
where they're missing their leader. They go out and they get Kyle Palmieri, who can absolutely fill in uh, not only goal scoring, but at winger depth, who can make plays for you. You bring in Travis Sajak, who is a absolute phenomenal veteran presence for you guys. It's only going to go up for the uh, Islanders in this situation. And I, I can see them making a big run in the playoffs. And this, this is just a team that is just finding ways to win left and right. And it's just impressive to watch. It's great hockey that they're playing and, you know, they're, they're playing the full 60 minutes. They're not playing 10 minutes here, taking 30 minutes off and then coming back. They're, they're playing a full 60 minute game, whether they're stifling you on defense or just smothering you on offense. This is a full complete team, even without their captain. And it's fun to watch them play. Yeah. And uh, how about teams that are letting you down right now? Teams that are letting me down. Ah, oh, man, the Canucks. It's, it's, it's the Canucks. Like I said earlier, they, they just have not been having a good time since September 4th, 2020. They go into game seven and they get absolutely blanked. And then they lose Jacob Markstrom and they lose Chris Tanner from free agency who go to the flames who are doing even worse than the Canucks, but they bring in Braden Holtby, who I said would get benched with Thatcher Demko. And I was right about that. But anyways, th- this is just a team that could not find their chemistry. They could not mesh, um, you know, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. They're up for contracts as well. You got, you got to pay them. Um, but this is just a team that can't find their chemistry. They can't mesh. And now they have this huge COVID outbreak and they're expected to come back and play even more. It just can't get worse for them. And it's not, and it's not their fault. You, you know, I, I couldn't foresee this coming. I don't think anyone did, especially after the run they had last year in the playoffs. I thought this was a team destined for borderline greatness this year. And it's just this been disappointing to watch the entire year. And now the whole COVID thing, it just, it's, I don't want to call it sad. I don't want to say I'm pitying them, but I'm essentially pitying them. It, it just kind of sucks to watch because this is a young and upcoming team that is now just getting derailed because of COVID. And I don't think they'll recover anytime soon. Yeah, it's, it's rough. It is rough for them right now. So to be clear, Jake is not uh, disappointed in the Canucks for uh, having positive COVID t- uh, cases. <laughs> no, he's, no. Just, uh, he's just thinks that uh, he's, he's sad for them. I, I, th- I thought they would have made an absolute, splash this year heading into the playoffs I, I i think i had them winning the uh, the uh canadian division anyway so just to just to see the fall from grace at least in my mind in my point of view how far they've fallen it just it's it's upsetting but it is it is uh so jake i know that you have to run i know the duty calls for you so yeah, i wanted to see if you had uh an empty netter for us and then uh after you share that share with our listeners where you can be found on social my empty netter at the moment, um, man, uh, God, he's putting me on the spot. Uh, my empty netter, my coffin's going to be a brew, and I'm calling it, calling it right now, so we'll Thatcher Demko within the next five years. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, you know, it's, it's been great to get back on and pod with you guys. I know we haven't recorded in a while, but, you know, it's refreshing to see all your faces and come and talk hockey at least just for 45 minutes at a time. Um, but I have to run and do a project for school because I'm still a college student. Um, but anyways, you can find me uh, at Twitter at Jakey Pooh Bear One. You can also find me on Instagram now at Jakey Pooh Bear One. I did change it. And you can find me writing articles for FTF Media uh, occasionally sometimes when I'm not being swamped with homework or anything like that. But um, anyways, thanks guys for having me. It was a pleasure to see all your lovely faces and hopefully I'll see you guys next week. Awesome. Well, we appreciate our line mate, Jake. Uh, and so uh, you will hear him on our next episode. Uh, right. Lauren, I'll, uh, I'll go to you next. <laughs> See you, Jake. Uh, I'll go to you next, Lauren. Uh, who is really impressing you uh, over the, uh, you know, over these last two weeks or so? And, uh, and conversely, who's letting you down? As much as the Bruins fan in me pains me to say this, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have won five in a row. They are on top of their East, uh, the East division, the North division. Um, and it's just, I mean, what else can you say? They're playing good hockey right now. Who knows if it'll last, but they've been in the playoff race this whole season. So good for them, I suppose. Um, shout out my abs. Cause I need to do that every episode. And I mean, Jake said it to the Islanders. They just, they already have no issue beating the Bruins. And then you add Kyle Palmieri who has scored like 80% of his goals against the Bruins this season. So good for them. I mean, they have really, they have a really good team and adding Travis Dajak and Kyle Palmieri certainly boost that. Um, and then just shout out Jeremy Swayman. I know I ranted on him in the beginning, but nothing to his, no fault of his, himself, but 
you know, he's 22. He comes into the NHL um, for a team that is very hard to play for. Just, you know, there's so much pressure on you already. And man, he handled it like such a pro. He looked like a veteran in the pipes and you're, you're not stopping that Alex Ovechkin shot that he let in. Nobody is stopping that. And if you do, it is just luck. He um, is so poised. He's so, he looks so confident in the net and it certainly helps when you get your first two wins under your belt against, you know, really strong capitals team that is filled with names like TJ Oshie, Ovechkin, Chara, that you just have those great players on that team. So shout out to him. I, he gets third start tonight or this afternoon, Saturday, really hoping for the best. Um, obviously there, a loss will happen at some point. Does, I don't think it'll get to his head, but um, really impressed by him. And then for teams who have, you know, let me down, um, the Flames. <laughs> I, I know I, I really had high hopes for them going into this season. And throughout the past couple months, obviously, I was like, oh, maybe that was a, a bad, bad pick by me. But, you know, now it's just like, what are you guys doing? Sometimes I watch it and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And then there's games I watch where it's like, oh, okay, this is the Flames team I expected all season. Um, very inconsistent, and now, but now they've lost four in a row. And uh, obviously there's still time to make up the, uh, the, to get into that fourth spot, sure. But time is running out. The top, then who knows what's going to happen with the Canucks. So there's all that too. But Flames, man, they're just not, they're not doing it for me right now. Yeah, it's, we, Listen, we referenced this on a previous episode uh, when you, you know, you move on from Jeff Ward and go to Daryl Sutter. Uh, you know, they, they had an agreement with him before they even fired Jeff Ward. I didn't say that I was wishing them any ill will, but I don't like uh, when teams make moves like that. So uh, I'm not exactly disappointed to see them struggling right now. That, I thought that was a, a low blow uh, to move on from Jeff Ward and have a, a deal already hammered out with Daryl Sutter uh, before then. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see if they can recover, but it doesn't look like they're going to be able to sneak their way in, in the, uh, the all-Canadian Scotia North division. Uh, Haley, I want to go to you next, because I also know that, uh, like Jake, you have to run. Who is uh, impressing you throughout the league and who's uh, letting you down? And I, mean, I feel like I know one of the answers already uh, based on how hot this team is right now, but I want to hear you say it for yourself. based on how hot this team is, huh? Like, I didn't get to watch a lot of hockey. I was on vacation with Emily. Excuse me, my allergies are so bad right now because of the pollen. It it literally looks like um, snow in my yard except for it's green and full of allergies instead of white and pretty. Um, So, I do like, I feel like the Sharks are never doing so great but they really do have some outstanding players like Evander Kane has been impressing me a lot this season even though the team itself is not impressing me this season we're just looking at his numbers the other day and he really has put himself as a standout for this team he's really one of the leading like to have more goals than Logan Couture on that team that's impressive because Logan Couture is a dependable person on that team for goals so I have been impressed with like certain players I think Obviously not impressed by the Flyers. I mean, nobody's impressed by the Flyers. They need to stop. You know, my grandpa, grandfather last week were crying about it together because we're both Flyers fans and not happy with them. I think they lost to the Sabres while I was with my grandfather. Like, that's not allowed. That's not appropriate. Well, that's definitely not um, okay. He's the one that got me. Yeah, he's the one that got me into the Flyers. So, like, that's just rude. Um, I will echo our our group here to say Mark Islanders are doing very impressive. I don't like that though. I do not like New York teams. I would never root for a New York team. I just want them all to lose. Um, but they are playing really well right now. And I will say that our predictions at the beginning of the season to where we're at now, I just feel like this is why I don't make predictions. <laughs> yeah. It, listen, it, it's rough, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, shout out to the Sharks because as of right now, they are, within a shouting distance of that fourth and final playoff spot. They're only three points behind Arizona and they've actually got two games in hand on them. So the Sharks might uh, have an outside shot at the playoffs. So they're, they're very hot right now, seven and three over the last 10. So 
you know, all of your well wishes towards the Sharks have definitely paid off, Hales. Yeah, so shout out to them. Logan Couture, it's your week to get a shout out. We've already shouted out to Evander Kane and Patrick Milo from my husband. This week it is uh, Logan Couture. So get out there, score some goals, get into the playoffs. Awesome. And, uh, and Hale, so I know you got to run as well. Uh, do you have an empty netter for us? Uh, and uh, if, if not, or if so, uh, just let our listeners know where you can be found online. Yeah, I just want to tell um, that the business Ross here in Texas is a clothing store. Nobody in Texas wants a Canadian jersey. So, like, you don't have to put those in our stores. Um, I would much rather see a Philadelphia or a Boston one for the future um, there's no there's no uh canadian fans down here that i know of so that, there's a montreal canadians jersey in the middle of texas yes central texas that's i so don't know how it got here nobody else wanted it so they put it here um and we don't want it either so just, just wanted to throw that out there for my empty netter was it on the clearance rack at least no Oh my God. That's just mismanagement by that store. Yeah, but that store is uh, already kind of discount prices. So it really is like already on clearance and then you put it more on clearance basically. Yeah, I was really shocked to see that yesterday. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and where can you be found online, Haley? So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CSI Haley and on TikTok at CSI Haley 91. You can find me co-writing, co-hosting Gridiron Girls at Girls Gridiron on Twitter and Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram. Also co-writing and co-hosting the Fierce and Flawed, which is Fierce and Flawed on Twitter and Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram. You can follow For the Fans Media at For the Fans Media, all one word, on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. So please go do that and check out ForTheFansMedia.com so you can check out all of our awesome blogs. My mom's newest video blog about baking a cake just dropped. So check out Fully Baked, please. And, of course, check out all of our podcasts. They each have their own page on our website and our Meet the Team page. So you can get to know us better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Hales, I know you got to run. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you on next week's episode. Uh, as for uh, my, you know, teams that are – see you, Hales. Um, as for the teams that are impressing me and letting me down over the last week, yeah, I, again, cannot say enough how impressed I am with the Nashville Predators. Uh, yeah, this was a team that, again, we were talking about, you know, who, what pieces can you get from Nashville because they're out of it. They've won nine of their last ten and three in a row. Uh, they are currently sitting in the final playoff spot in the Discover Central Division, and they're now four points ahead of Chicago, who had kind of been locked in that spot for a while. So, yeah, I mean – Nashville, I think, is suddenly going to be buyer at the, at the deadline. They're certainly, uh, I don't think they should be selling off pieces. They, they look fantastic right now. And yes, that's a tough division with Carolina, Tampa, and the Panthers all in there. But like, with how they're playing right now, why wouldn't you buy? You know, why, why wouldn't you tell the players in your roster, hey, we believe in you and, uh, you know, we, we want to add to this core? So yeah, Nashville, very, very impressive. Conversely, Columbus, I mean, you guys just flat out stink. And I, I mean, I basically, I, I traded your captain away. Lauren traded one of your best defensemen away. Uh, we don't believe in you. So, uh, you know, you, you are really, really letting me down at the moment. Um, and I just want to echo Lauren's sentiment. Jeremy Swayman, fantastic start to your NHL career, my friend. Uh, two fantastic games. I hope that I'm not jinxing him uh, because, again, he's about to start in less than an hour <laughs> in, uh, against the Flyers. But a fantastic start to your NHL career. Looking forward to continuing to see you play in the National Hockey League. Uh, and, yeah, the, even though I am still very much pro Tuca, I like the fact that the young goaltenders, both uh, Swayman and Daniel Vladar, there appears to be a bright future in the goaltending department uh, for the Boston Bruins. So, uh, while Tuka recovers and while uh, Yaroslav Halak recovers from COVID-19, we hope that he's doing well. Uh, it's nice to see that the Bruins have some young goalies to turn to. So very impressed with them. And with the Bruins as a whole, they look like they've turned a corner over the last week. Not that we don't want them to still add, uh, but, uh, you know, they look, uh, they're looking a lot better. Yeah, for sure. It's nice to see because for a while there, even though they, they were like 4-1-0 or something in their last five, it was just 
really almost painful to watch. It was just playing from behind. They're not finishing their checks. They're not too pass happy. So I feel like they're still a little too pass happy for my liking, but they're kind of working through those kinks. And like you said, please add. That does not mean we don't want you to add what could be the, this core's last run at a potential cup. Like, please, please add, because Bergeron deserves way more than one Stanley Cup. Absolutely. And if you add a top six forward, you don't have to split up the perfection line. I still don't think that splitting Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand up is in the best interest of the team. I understand the rationale, but, you know, try and get talented scores on multiple lines. But if you can give Krejci a different right winger who can finish, you can move Pasta back onto that top line. And uh, you're really cooking with that, with that line. You really are. Uh, but yeah, give them some help, please. Yes. Uh, but Lauren, do you have an empty netter for us here to, uh, to wrap up our show? Yeah. You know, today, um, for people who follow Emily Cave on Instagram, today is uh, Colby Cave's funeral or memorial service. And I think tomorrow, uh, the 11th marks a year since he died. So with COVID and then them being in Canada, I'm not really sure of the restrictions there, but, you know, she's had to sit on this for a year and not grieve properly. And the day before the one year anniversary, she has to go and um, give a eulogy and just kind of honor Colby. So it's going to be a really tough weekend for her. I don't know, Emily, obviously, but um, wishing her just the best this weekend. It's, I can't imagine what she's going through, but um, the service is currently going on right now. I don't know if she's spoken, but I'm sure she'll talk tonight on her Instagram or she'll be posting something. Um, so, I mean, I, like I said, I can't imagine what that's like and trying to grieve in a pandemic without giving him a, like a proper service or goodbye, whatever you want to say. So just kind of sending her some good vibes before she has to step into like the next stage of grief and try to, you know, not move on by any means, but kind of put this behind her. That's one big thing off her shoulders. She doesn't have to continually worry about like, when, when can I give my husband a, a funeral service? When can I, how much longer do I have to sit on this eulogy? So nothing but love to Emily and the Cave family today. Hopefully that, you know, like I said, this is something that now she can just finally be like, this is done. And now I can maybe grieve properly. If that even is, there is no proper way to grieve, but just hopefully she can continue to be strong and continue to live her life, you know, like, how she has been. Hopefully she continue to be raw about her grief too. So all the best to her today and obviously going forward, especially tomorrow. The one year mark is obviously very hard and I give her all the credit in the world because I certainly couldn't do what she's doing right now. Yeah, very well said, Lauren. I mean, listen, we, we've all been all through a lot over these last 13 months, but very many of us have not had to go through losing a loved one, much less losing a spouse much less losing a spouse when that spouse is a public figure. And, uh, you know, you, you have been grieving in public uh, for, uh, for the last year in Emily Cave's case. So, uh, you know, just all thoughts and prayers uh, to her. And hopefully she can get through today and tomorrow, uh, which should be very, very difficult days for her. Uh, and, you know, is able to, to begin to move on and heal. Just, yeah, very well said. And, uh, and you know, thank you for for bringing that to our listeners' attention. It's just still such a sad story. As for myself, I wish that my empty netter could be more lighthearted, but mine, unfortunately, is a little bit on the heavy side, too, and that was the news that kind of sh uh, shook the college hockey world. Uh, you know, we, obviously, we have the national championship game tonight, as we already discussed, between UMass and St. Cloud State, but unfortunately, the University of Maine just lost their hockey coach very, very suddenly, um, so... Head coach Dennis Red Gendron, who, I mean, literally just completed uh, his eighth season as the main Black Bears coach, uh, you know, their season just wrapped up, you know, a few weeks ago. He died after, at this point, from what I've been able to read, got an unspecified medical emergency. Uh, he was just 63 years old. Um, so he had, uh, you know, we were just talking about Jeremy Swayman. Jeremy Swayman played at the University of Maine, and uh, Gendron was his head coach, and that has to be hitting him hard. And, uh, you know, the entire Maine community. They take the Black Bears very seriously up there, uh, you know, in Maine. Uh, you know, University of Maine hockey is a way of life. He was very well loved throughout that community. So, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers also with the community 
uh, and the fans and players and staff um, and alumni from the University of Maine. Uh, you know, we hope that, again, Drawn family is holding up okay, uh, you know, in, in very difficult times. It's something like that is so crazy to me because um, after Swayman's second start, he was speaking so highly of him and he was like, oh, he gave me great advice. You can't buy experience from Target and just how he goes into every game, just like, getting this experience. And um, my fiance actually had an interview with him for Nesson um, on Tuesday. So, you know, Nesson spoke to him Tuesday, which I think is just crazy to me just because he was healthy, he was happy and excited about Swayman and everything. And when he told me, uh, when Derek told me that he died, I was like, no, <laughs> no way. Like, Swayman literally just talked about him yesterday. You guys just interviewed him. Like, what do you mean? So it's, I think it's a harsh slap in the face too. how quickly life can change. Don't take it for granted, as cliche as it is. You just never know when your time is up. You really don't. And yeah, that it just, yeah, the, the, I agree, Lauren, the, the timing of it was just so bizarre because again, I remember reading those quotes um, from, uh, you know, from the media following uh, the win over the Capitol. So it just, it really is shocking how very quickly these things happen. Uh, so again, just thoughts and prayers with, uh, with his family and with the entire University of Maine community. Um, but with that being said, that is going to do it for today's episode. And so Lauren is the only line mate remaining on, uh, on our recording session. So uh, will you please tell our wonderful listeners where you can be found online and where else they can hear you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and I made a TikTok. So you can find all my dog content um, at la 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 Lauren, three laws, and then Lauren with four R's. It's my social media handle for pretty much everything. Um, you can hear me obviously on Snipe and Selly. You can hear me on the Ness and Bruins podcast once a week. You can also hear me on Stealing Second um, on FTF Media as well. Um, and you can hear me on uh, Pride and Pilsners every now and then. Uh, I go on to talk the Boston Pride, a little bit of Bruins. Um, and I think that's it. Um, obviously, you can find my written stuff on Nesson.com. Lots of Bruins and Red Sox stuff coming your way. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And now I think that's it. <laughs> like Haley, Lauren needs to write down all the different places that she can be found or heard because she is doing so much and her time is spread so thin. And as always, we really, really cannot say enough how we appreciate having her join us each week because uh, she is so generous with her time. And we love you, Lauren. Love you guys. Wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, as for myself, I can be found online at, on Twitter at Mark Pacelli 13. That is P I S E L L I. I can be heard on the views from the rafters podcast, not to be confused with the podcast that the Boston Celtics just released. That sounds, has almost the exact same name minus one letter. Uh, we had the idea first. So Celtics, please, you know, if you can steer some listeners our way, fantastic, but you know, a little credit for, you know, kind of stealing our name. Uh, but uh, that is FTF Media's basketball podcast. I can also be heard on NerdPod uh, with our fantastic Christian. And I can also be heard on the Fierce and Flawed podcast with Haley and Christian and, uh, and our other wonderful ladies here at FTF Media. Definitely check out ForTheFansMedia.com for some fantastic uh, video blog and written blog content. Maybe we might be doing some more video on there uh, in the near future. So stay tuned. It's a fantastic website. We're our next post on the website will be our 100th. So that's a milestone for us. We've almost been up for a year. So uh, fantastic. We're excited. But that is going to do it for us. So for Lauren and for myself, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you who would tune in. And until the next time, enjoy the action on the ice. Goodbye, everybody. I'm not going to